You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Welcome to the Eat With Grace podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about food laws. Uh, We could also describe them as food rules. And I know uh, we have talked about food rules in the past, but we're going to hopefully bring in some biblical context um, about uh, food food laws um, that were actually in the Bible and if this is something that we should do or not. But we're going to start off from a nutrition perspective, uh, from our professional experience and opinions as dietitians. Should we be following these, um, you know, quote unquote, food laws? Is there any uh, rules that we should or shouldn't follow and why? So Jackie, do you want to get us started with that? I see food laws as something that's uh, just not relevant to my professional or personal life right now. When I am In teaching at the university in culinary medicine, if I am uh, working with physician residents, if I'm doing grand rounds in the hospital and we're talking about these, all those different situations have different kinds of food rules. And I kind of cringe every time they come up. I cringe just as much in the professional realm as I do all the food fads that people around me are talking about and they all have their different rules. So there's lots and lots of different rules out there. And I can, I can almost say there really aren't very many food laws or food rules that I would encourage either my patients or my friends to be a part of. Um, you say, how can you say that? Because dietitians are all about food rules. And that is true because if you're in the hospital, they come to your bedside and they say, okay, this is what you can't eat. This is what you can eat, et cetera. Well, ever since I started as a dietitian, I really pushed back on that. First of all, sometimes those food rules have been found to not be effective. Like they're counter um, productive in, in what happens as we find out more about science, we find out, okay, maybe there's a better direction to go. On the other hand, even if it is our best um, evidence-based medicine, is it the best way of teaching a patient how to eat? So if we're giving them all these restrictive rules, is that counterproductive to them living a really healthy um, life where they can manage their diet. And, and I have always looked at people and felt like, okay, this just doesn't seem like it's working. Research proves that out when it shows how many diets fail. So from a professional standpoint, where I've been in situations where I should be enforcing food rules because maybe that's the rule of the, of the uh, day, I still never wanted to. And personally, I just don't feel that um, my family needs me to enforce food rules. And by me pushing food rules on my family, I just don't see a good outcome 
and I see so many negatives. One is that it strains your relationship. And if my relationship's going to be strained with my children or my spouse, it better be for something a whole lot more important than food. You know, that, that should be one of the things that we're, we have tension about. Now, whether they're using drugs or alcohol or, um, you know, if they're murdering and committing adultery, you know, those are things to have tension in your family about. But food does not fit into that same category. So that's, that's why food laws have never been that big to me. Now, the Bible talks about food laws, especially the Old Testament. So, Brooke, can you shine some light on that for us? Yeah. So when I think about food laws, I think about uh, the Levitical laws or um, the laws in Deuteronomy uh, specifically. I think that's where we're going to find most of those commands from God on how the Jewish people were supposed to eat at that time. And I say that specifically because those uh, ceremonial laws, um, the, um, the Levitical laws, whatever, they were not moral issues. It's not like the Ten Commandments that they had to follow these things. Um, they were more of a, these were specific set of rules that God gave to the Jewish people to set them apart from um, the pagan nations around them, right? So the Jewish people were God's chosen people. And he said, here's a list of things that I want you to do. This is how I want you to live that is going to set you apart from that. Um, a lot of those commandments or a lot of those rules that were put into place around food or, or lifestyle at that point were based on health and cleanliness. It was to keep them healthy um, and clean, like in a sanitary, uh, uh, in a sanitary way. And it wasn't because it was a spiritual issue. Um, so like I said, that's how those laws differentiated from the moral law. And so there are some Christian uh, groups out there, uh, denominations that still believe that, you know, today's Christians should be living, you know, or following uh, some of those laws in the Old Testament. I personally don't think we need to. I think there's enough evidence in the New Testament that backs it up that, you know, uh, that we don't have to do that, that when Jesus came and died for us, first of all, I'm not Jewish. So that's, that's the first reason. Um, but, you know, the the verse about Jesus declaring all foods clean and about um, it's not what we put into our body that defiles us that comes out. Uh, the really the only thing in the New Testament regarding food of what we should and shouldn't eat is anything sacrificed to idols. Uh, and so I've read, you know, like if like with halal food, um, I've read that uh, the Muslims will actually um, offer or it's not necessarily a sacrifice, but they will like have their God bless their food um, before they serve it. And so I've, I've heard some comments about, you know, if Christians should eat halal food or not, but I guess that's where it comes from. That's the background of it. Um, Jackie, have you ever encountered anyone in, in you know, who, who claims to be a Christian who, who believes that we shouldn't um, maybe eat pork or that we shouldn't eat shellfish or things like that. Do you know of anyone personally or what are your thoughts on that? I actually do know quite a few personally. Um, Seventh-day Adventists have a lot of food rules. Yep. Um, there are some other denominations that have 
uh, very specific food rules. And I think as we uh, get into the vegan movement, while they might not admit that it's a religious kind of thing, it has its roots in different kinds of religions. And so some of those are based on the Bible. Some that I mentioned are based on the Bible and some are not based on the Bible, but they're based on other idols or other gods. So I see more and more in our culture where people are following food laws that they say are go back to the Bible and they will justify their diet based on, you know, what, what, uh, the Bible would say. And I think that's probably a wrong interpretation. We talked in the last podcast about Daniel and his friends, how they they had a, um, where they ate plants, but, you know, it wasn't for the purpose that we think of why they ate plants, you know? And I, I think when we look at some of the verses of the Bible, we also have to look about, okay, what does it mean to live under grace? What's it mean to live under the New Testament? And how is that different? And Jesus gave us just a couple of indications. One of them is like in Matthew 12, one through eight. And the, the um, religious leaders of the day they set, find that Jesus's uh, disciples are breaking off the heads of grain as they walk through the field and, and then they're eating it on the Sabbath. And they were with him, with Jesus on their way to the synagogue. The Pharisees were like, wait a minute, that's unlawful. We have all these food laws and you are in violation of one of our food laws. And so Jesus gave an answer to that that kind of gives us uh, something that we can think about of what it means to be under grace and how Jesus answered the people in his day that said, you need to be under these certain, certain ones. So among these was the point that the priests break the Sabbath and it's a very legalistic approach. And the law allowed this because the commands of God for the temple have to be obeyed above the commands to keep the Sabbath. And so Jesus was showing that the Sabbath's not the most important command above all other priorities of God, but the work of the temple is. And so it gets into kind of like the authority of the laws. And I can't do a really um, do justice to this verse in describing it, but we do see that Jesus had a different perspective of the food laws of the New Old Testament. I think he's showing us that we also can. Right. Well, and Jesus was a Jew, so Jesus actually followed those laws, right? He had to live um, a, a, a perfect life on earth. Uh, so he followed the Jewish traditions, but when he died, he didn't abolish them. He fulfilled them. And so therefore we don't have to follow this meticulous, um, lifestyle like the Jewish people did prior to Jesus. Died. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. The Jews were called to 
have all of these laws and follow all these rules under the authority of God in order to earn their salvation or earn their right in his place because Jesus hadn't died yet, <laughs> right? They didn't have that ultimate sacrifice. We have that. Jesus died. So we don't have to do all of these things anymore. Should we follow the moral laws? 100%. Yes, we should not kill. We should not murder. We should not um, steal or covet or any of those things. Like the moral laws, we are still 100% held um, held up or held into account for those things. But those ceremonial laws are not for us. And if we say, if we pick and choose that some of them are, so maybe, you know, if we were to say we shouldn't eat pigs because the Bible says we shouldn't eat pigs, well, then we also, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be circumcising our babies on any day other than the eighth day. And when women are, you know, at their time of the month, they shouldn't be leaving their house. And like, there's just like, which rules are you going to pick and choose to follow? Because there are so many of them. We can't pick one or two of them and say that Christians today have to follow these rules because they were in the Old Testament. You either follow all of them or you don't follow any of them, right? I guess that's how I see it, you know? Really good point. Really good point. When we look at what um, Jesus's disciples were doing is they were not living up to the what the Pharisees thought they should be doing, right. but they were living up to what Jesus had for them to do or what the Messiah had to do. So the point seems to be here that just because there are people that look down on it, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that is what God, how God sees it. Right. Yeah. And I would challenge anyone, if this is something that you're questioning to look through the, read through the Bible, read through Deuteronomy, read through Leviticus and kind of try to understand the context and where those rules came from and why God had applied them to the people at that time. And then read through the new Testament. There's multiple, multiple places in the new Testament where you can find where Jesus flushed out those laws or like um, relinquished our requirement to follow them. Um, There's multiple places. I think one of them is in Matthew, of course, where we talked about where, you know, Jesus declared all foods clean. Acts 10 is a really good one. That's where um, Paul had that vision three times where um, there were, you know, unclean animals in his, um, in his vision and God telling him to eat them. And he's like, but I've never done that before. Why would I eat an unclean animal? And God reiterated this vision three times, again, showing that I'm no longer requiring you to avoid these things. The, the death of Jesus met that requirement, met that blood sacrifice so that you don't have to, you don't have to live under that anymore. So those are some really great points. I want to ask you, how does this relate to us today about food laws that people try to put on us? You know, one thought that came to me is that sometimes in this life, in this culture, it feels like if you don't think like I do, then, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want, I don't want to be a part of that opinion or whatever. Right. And um, it feels like as Christians, we are being attacked. And I have read different places where, um, well, there's one pastor who was imprisoned for his beliefs in a, another country. And the title of the article that he wrote was, you know, why didn't I hear God when I was in jail? And he is talking about 
what it feels like when we're get, that, when you're persecuted. And he feels like as Americans in this country, Christians, we're gonna be persecuted. I thought that's a really interesting point is, um, you know, what's happening to Christians and just eating a normal kind of diet. People are putting food laws on us. And some of them are based on Bible. Some of them are based on other religions. Some of them are based on bad diets, but everywhere you look, there are these food laws put on us. And it's just, you know, it's a start of a persecution. Like, like you can't eat at my table unless you're going to have the same diet that I believe in. And these diets almost become religious laws, even if the person doesn't claim to be religious. You know, if anyone has listened to us long enough, you, you know that we do not, we do not believe in food rules. Um, I think there are flexible guidelines that are good ideas when it comes to health, but um, we have the freedom to eat the foods that we want to eat. We have the freedom, um, and I would say the Bible even backs that up, the freedom in Christ to do that. Um, you know, as long as we're not sinning and it's not a sin to eat food, it's not a sin to eat um, sugar or things like that. Now, you can abuse your body eating, you know, unhealthy foods. Um, it is possible to do that. It is possible to sin by, um, you know, coping with food all the time. I would say that relying on food or, you know, letting that be your comfort, that that could be um, like a stronghold in your life. So I think there are things like that, but, you know, our society is always going to have food rules, whether it comes from science, whether it comes from political things. I think there's a lot of things coming down the pike politically that are going to affect the way that we eat. There's this huge push for plant-based. Um, and when I say plant-based, I personally think, you know, 50%, 51% of your, your food is plants. That's considered plant-based. Their version of plant-based is no meat. Um, I think there's going to be a big push to get rid of beef. There's going to be a big push to get rid of any kind of ruminant animals. Um, and so we are going to see that from a political perspective. Um, and theirs is based on, of course, the religion of climate change. And like you said, Jackie, they all come from a, if it's not from a religion, it's from some kind of worldview or ideology. And we as Christians, we live according to a biblical worldview. Um, but there are pressures from all these outside worldviews that are going to be encroached upon us. And unfortunately, when it's done at the political level or at the policy level, if a law is put into place, you know, it's, it's going to be really hard to um, not have to abide by that or to, um, to get by with not following those kind of rules. So yeah, when you talk about persecution, I, I really hope we don't get there. Um, but honestly, I could, I could see that happening. I could, I could see it happening. Someone gets in there and passes some ridiculous rule based on whatever bias they have um, and applies it to all of us. And I think that could be a huge detriment to, um, to human health, honestly, if, if it is that plant-based vegan um, type thing. I know Jackie, you sent me an article earlier about, you know, a California school district that is, did they get like a, did you say it was like a, a grant or like mil, multi-million dollar something? Million dollars yeah. to plant-based foods in the school system. And right? you know, on the surface, this just sounds, oh, wonderful, plant-based. We, we know that's the healthy. Okay, why do you need a hundred million extra dollars to eat healthy? 
Right. Um, obviously, there's some other agenda here, right. and it probably has more to do with climate change and animal welfare than it right. has anything to do with nutrition. Because right. changing plant-based from, say, say if you're 50% plant-based to 52% plant-based, there really is no evidence that's going to change longevity, quality of life, any of those kind of things. Okay, so somebody might argue, yeah, but changing to 100% plant-based might. I wanna put out there that I do not believe there is solid evidence showing that going 100% plant-based is going to increase longevity or nor is it going to increase the quality of life, nor is it going to increase any of the markers that, uh, that we look at in the body that indicate to doctors that your health is moving in the right direction. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so it's just, it's so important for us as Christians to figure out like, where are these food rules coming from? Is there any legitimate reason behind them? We are called to, to follow um, Christ and to use you know, God's word as our basis for living. And so if something is being pushed on us um, that doesn't align with that, I think it's, that's, that's okay. That's, that's where we can kind of push back against the culture um, because we are called to live according to what God says and not necessarily what the world says. And I do think, you know, I do think we're getting to a place um, in our world where that is going to be that is going to be harder, and we are going to have to push back on those a little bit more. And you know, I'm a person who I love whole grains. I I do presentations on all kinds of grains and culinary medicine presentations on how to use these whole grains. You know, I really like tofu. I really like soy-based products. I enjoy making black bean burgers, but it kind of, it feels like the culture is making me choose. No, no, you have to choose between those foods and being, you know, uh, eating meat. And that that just feels wrong. That feels wrong on so many different levels as a professional, as what I know is healthy, as what I know is really good for my family and what gives us a healthy attitude about food. Um, I don't know what the answer is there because when I sit down at a table, you know, it feels like everybody's playing into these food rules that if I'm a little heavy, I have to eat salad that if I want to be seen as a progressive, interesting, successful, liberal person, I need to eat vegan. Um, and, and if I'm skinny, I can eat all the dessert I want. Okay. None of those three things are true. But when I sit down at a table like that, I don't want to have to say, okay, what food rules should I adhere to to make the people around me happy? Yeah. And I mean, for sure, I don't think we should be eating to impress other people ever. (laughs) Like our food choices should be um, based on us, um, our preferences and our health needs or whatever, and our tastes. um, And not based on what someone else's opinion is. I think that's that's a whole other problem in itself is when we try to please man, right? When we try to live in a way to please other people and to not please God, that's just going to lead us down a road of, um, I would say bondage, like, cause you're never going to please man. You're never going to please everyone. You're never going to be good enough, um, to 
meet all of these uh, requirements or um, meet the expectations, right, of our society because there's just so many differing opinions out there that, yeah, that's that would be really sad um, to live our life that way. And so we need to remember is- Isn't that how food laws work? Mm -hmm. Is that someone makes, in the Bible, it was the Pharisees or the Sadducees making everyone feel like, okay, you still have to keep all these laws, even though Jesus came to show what living under grace meant and we didn't have to keep the laws, but they still want us to keep all the laws. And so it, it pertains to food laws today too. I mean, somehow people have to get the idea, okay, this is the food law that we should do. And, and when I'm around people who use the Bible and do not eat meat and their, their basis for that is the Bible, they don't eat pork, they don't eat um, fish with scales, Okay, all those kind of food rules, they kind of change it and make it like, because this is healthy. Mm-hmm. So they start out, the food rules for them started out one way, but then for everybody else, in order to get them to enforce it, they try to make it like, okay, this is what's healthy. Yes. And it's like, I, I'm not yes. sure that there's any evidence that really shows that. Right. And that's where that's where we come back to the, like, there is no biblical way of eating. God did not give us a diet that said, if you eat this, you will not get cancer, heart disease, diabetes, whatever. Like there isn't a biblical way of eating. And when people try to make these food laws into that, right? So these laws were put there because God wanted them to follow them for a specific reason, this this specific group of people for a specific reason. When we make that about, this is how I should eat to be healthy, that's totally taking it out of context and putting a different meaning on those rules. That's not God's intent for them. Like, yes, when it came to health and cleanliness, um, you know, I think the the pork issue, one argument that I've heard is that, you know, pork has that, um, is it trichinosis? trichinosis? Yeah. So, so that was a common thing that people would get when they ate pork. So that's why God said, you guys shouldn't eat pork because there's a higher risk of some kind of foodborne illness to it that very well could have been God's intent of it. It also could have been because pigs were sacrificed to some other gods and he didn't want the Jewish people do eating the same things that, you know, was a pagan experience in some other culture. And so, but it's not because it's healthier for us. It's not because God, God created pigs and then said, I don't want humans to eat them because it's not good for you. Um, I don't see there's any proof in that from a science perspective. I don't think from a nutrition perspective, we haven't seen anything um, to back that up. And so, yeah, when they start making it a biblical thing, what that is, is it's encroaching on that um, legalism, like you've mentioned, it's just legalism. It's one other thing that we have to do to be seen pure in the eyes of God. And that's not true because Jesus' blood is enough. It's either, it's either enough or it's not. When Jesus died on the cross, his sacrifice was it. It was 100% covered our sins. Um, If that wasn't enough, then Jesus didn't need to die, right? So we need to remember um, the extent of his death, the extent of his sacrifice and what it did for us. Because when we start tacking on all these other rules that we have to live by, including following some food rules in the Old Testament, we are saying that Jesus' law isn't enough. Now, on another note, I do believe that some people might be... um, 
personally convicted about something for some reason, right? Um, so there are some gray areas in here, <clears throat> whether it's food or not, maybe, maybe someone has read the Bible and they feel convicted about eating pork and they personally want to give up pork. I have no problem with that. As long as you're not pushing it on other people and telling them they're sinning for eating pork. Um, but if you don't want to eat pork and you choose not to, that's your choice. Um, same thing with like, um, I would say tobacco would fall into that or alcohol. Like the Bible doesn't specifically say to abstain from these things, but if you feel a personal conviction that um, partaking in them, you know, is harming your body or is not honoring to God in some way, then you can choose not to do that. Um, but again, we have to be really careful that we're not, we're not calling things sin or immoral that God did not call sin. So we have to be really careful uh, that we're not doing that, especially on other people. But if you have a personal conviction about something and you want to abstain from something, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Just don't, don't become a Pharisee, right? And start making laws to push on other people. And, you know, that's an interesting point. Don't become a Pharisee. I could say that about my own family and at the dinner table. A Pharisee is one of those people who thinks their eating style, their eating habits is the best and somewhat have a righteous attitude about it. And they're trying to get their the rest of their family to eat like they do. Okay, from a nutritionist perspective, that's wrong on so many levels but it's also wrong on a biblical level. Yeah, yeah, it, it shouldn't matter. Um, and like we've talked about before, I mean, we did a podcast on how diets ruin relationships um, or they can, right? They can have a negative effect on that. And so we need to make sure that we're keeping um, the important things in perspective um, and food is not one of them. Yeah, so if we're gonna have three takeaway points here, one is keeping food in perspective. And the second one is understanding that personal convictions does not mean being righteous and self-righteous and preaching to others about those. And a third thing might be um, thinking about the verse in Revelations, that 320. You know, I bring this up because it was just brought to my attention that, that the Bible is telling us when when we accept Jesus and we are in heaven, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to eat with us. So keeping food to be like in that perspective of something what's fellowship and communion and a showing of love. Okay, that's really antithesis to any of the food laws. For sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening today about our conversation with food laws. If you have any comments or questions about it, you can know how to reach out to us and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you, and we pray that you have a grace-filled day.